Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by who else? BetOnline.ag. And look, the football season might be over, but basketball and pro and college hoops, it is in full swing heading into the postseason. So you're going to need the latest odds, totals, player performance, props, and where else to go than BetOnline. It's the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Go on your mobile device, head to the website, sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. It's not just basketball, BetOnline's your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming to the pod. Got a great guest here today, and he's here to talk about his new business venture that once I started checking it out, I was like, oh my God, this thing is awesome and integral, and I, I can't wait to talk to him about it. And also, we might talk just a little bit about some about Blackhawks hockey, too, as well. He's two-time Stanley Cup champion, and now he's the owner of Clever.ai. It is Christopher Steig. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the pod. How are you today? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm going to have to apologize again. I'm sorry for being late, but it's uh, <laughs> it's generally what I'm good at. We don't run laps here in this pod. It's all good. It all is right. a Friday. We're just fine, man. And look, man, it's well worth the wait because I'm really excited when I connected to you, obviously. Huge Blackhawks fan. I've been watching and cheering for you for years. We'll get to that a little bit later in the pod, but I want to talk about this new venture of yours. It's called Clever.ai is the website. And just if you can, I don't want to do it. Let the audience know just a little bit about what you guys are getting involved with this business and what is Clever. And, and you know, obviously, we'll get into why it's so amazing. Yeah, we could start as to why it's here and where it came about um, and kind of who it was built for. But why it started is at the end of my career, a lot of parents uh, were wanting to send me their kids clips. And I had a lot of other athletes uh, who had retired and our coaches kind of in the same similar position. And in order to get that clip and then to annotate it, meaning to teach the clip, meaning so draw over it frame by frame, slow motion, and then to share it back. That process took me anywhere from, you know, 48 minutes to an hour and 12 minutes later. And I'd be on three platforms, whether it be Coach's Eye, and then you create links and then Filmora. And I'm like, why can't this all be done streamlined on one platform? Like, I just want to be able to take the clip, draw on it, talk to it, and then send it right back. So that's where it kind of started. Now, the other reason to the why was I didn't grow up with much. I didn't have much money and I've seen where sports are going. And at the end of my career, I now have kids in hockey and I see how expensive it is. I'm like, how can we also give kids the tools that the pros and only the elite are allowed to have? So there's two answers to the why and where it came about. And to where we are today is, you know, you can now get a clip, quickly edit and teach it and send it back to your athlete as a parent who's a coach generally in the youth market faster than even like an NHL coach can do it. So that's what we've done is we've streamlined the entire clip, edit and share process. And now you can do it all on one platform and that's what we are. So we're, we're really proud about it. I mean, before, again, I talked about the hour and 12 minutes generally is what it would take. I can do 36 kids shot annotations in under an hour. So basically a kid could go shoot in his basement or in his, or his driveway, send me that two to three second clip. I can draw on it, give them one or two pointers and send it right back to them. And that's what we can do. So we can do that. And we're also building out the crowdsourcing area. And this is something we're going to launch in a few months where basically you could come on and look for real good coaches, uh, maybe send them a clip or two, a third party coach. And then they could obviously give you some intel back onto what you can do better. 
uh, and also cool other little features that we've added uh, recently, digital whiteboards. These things are not even out on the market. Uh, you can just tap record and a hockey whiteboard will pop up. You can draw on it. You can also overlay it over a clip. These are tools only the NHL players use. Like no one else can use these in the sport market. And that's what I tried to do is basically democratize this tech and bring it across all sport, across all wealth and uh, give it to everyone. And hopefully it works. I mean, we just launched recently in December and, and yeah, it's, it's an exciting time, but uh, it's been a lot of work. I honestly, I was pretty blown away, man. I think this can really revolutionize an aspect of not just like youth sports, but in terms of the way that coaches can interact with athletes, athletes can interact with their parents and share clips and the parents can interact with those coaches. And like you mentioned, you can do it from a great distance from very far away. And I find that to be just so interesting, especially not just what we've gone through the last couple of years, but what we're going to be doing moving forward with this tech. I kind of want to ask you, you know, growing up, did your parents, were your parents the type of people with the camcorder, like recording the games or anything like that? Like, did you have, do you have game film of Christopher Stieg as a youth playing hockey? No, not, not much at all. <laughs> I, we couldn't even afford a camcorder. You know, yeah. those things were back in the day. You'd I, have to I, rent it. You could rent one for a couple days. And then it was like, yeah. this thing's on 24 hours a day. Cause we got to soak this up. That's what we did. So we used to take it from our neighbor, uh, the Chowdhury's, Monsieur Chowdhury. They had a camcorder and we used to rent it from them, you know, if my mom ever wanted to save a game. So I, I don't actually have a lot of videos uh, of myself as a kid, but that's what we've kind of talked about clever as well. We're now an area where athletes can store all their clips. You can store all your content. Parents can store clips and content. You can also create highlight packages. You can send it to spring teams. You can send it to your family. You can send it to your coaches, but that's what we want. We want to create an area where athletes and parents and coaches can store everything. They can keep it in one place. They can share it easily and they can have those memories. I wish I could go back and watch videos myself as a kid. There's literally none, right? Maybe a couple goals of mine. And, and because it was filmed by another parent filming their own kid, right? Mm -hmm. but this is just a thing now where you can see also the progression of how someone's doing it at the start of the year to the end of the year. It's just really good area to keep all your storage of your video and see the progression of your kids, share it again with families, whatever you want to use. You can use Clever however you want. We don't tell you how to use it. It's not just a coaching app. It's a streamlined way for parents to watch their kids, especially with our camera and to clip their kids. Cause now you have a clipping mechanism built in the camera uh, that's in the iOS device. And uh, yeah, so you can share all those moments and you're not getting all the useless data or the useless video either because you're only getting, so if you're filming for five minutes on a regular phone, right? You yeah. save five minutes of video and parents are always scrolling through. Where's that goal? On ours, you're filming for five minutes. After the kid scores a goal, you just tap the K button. It goes back 15 seconds, deletes the rest. So you only have that piece you need rather than yep. the parent before going through your camera. Oh, I got like all this useless video. So that's why the big piece of our camera is now is just helping the parents get those, those perfect moments. Yeah, that's what I was so blown away by was that, you know, when you're talking top down, you know, top, obviously you're talking about, you know, elite athletes getting elite instruction and trying to do it in a certain way where they can obviously improve their game, mature their game, and get to the pros. But like you're talking about, now all of a sudden, like, for me, I immediately thought of, and look, like, I'm like a lot of people in my life, great little leaguer, great little league baseball player, Chris. You have no idea. I got all-star trophies all up on my on my cabinet. But, you know, like, there's the really? mom with the shaky, yeah, the mom with the shaky camera, and you know what I mean, like. And as you mentioned, maybe if it's a friend's like taking a video of the game, you're like, oh, that's me in the right frame there because the sun yeah. is in the main frame. And now all of a sudden, instead of sitting through 
that hour and 20 minute literally game like you said you can cut these things into particular moments and also yeah. what do you can you talk a little bit about you know maybe not from personal experience but maybe working with other athletes and kids you mentioned something about noticing progression you know what what did that mean to you growing up and what have you seen from young athletes that have seen the progression of you know when you take a clip from the first game of the season and then you take a clip from the last game of the season in youth sports and a child or a young kid can actually see that progress just talk about the impact and maybe how important that was for you maybe growing up when you were playing well it was big but we actually studied e-learning a little bit me and my founders prior to even building and visual uh if you can see something within a certain amount of time it's up to 60 percent higher retention rate for the child right so that's what we've kind of prided ourselves on was with video it's instant right and you can now show the kid instantly maybe an issue with the game rather than parent yelling at you in the back of the car right so that's that instant retention now you're calling you're talking about progression that's how i use it with my athletes so at the start of the year in hockey especially with six-year-olds when you're going around a pylon they always want to use their inside edge on their outside leg they don't want to use their their outside edge on their inside leg so i'll take a clip and then as the month goes on, I take a clip, you know, even with my own kids and you can start to progress to show them, look at how much more dominant you are now on your outside edge a month from now, because you're working on it comparative, you know, to two months or whatever. So you can start to show the progressions in the learning, right? And also in game, because we have a parent that'll take clips and they instantly share it to the group. And after the game, you can see just, just their game sense comes along. Like, look at you at the start of the year and where you were making these plays. And you were only making one play in this scenario. Now you're making two to three plays in this scenario because your game sense is starting to expand and you're starting to understand the game more. And these are things you can show the kids. And, and the biggest thing I show the kids is just like their stick positioning and their stick and, and look at them to where it was before it was above their head. And, and Quenville used to tell me, look at you Versteeg changing light bulbs, you know, get your stick on the ice. So <laughs> uh, these are just things you can show the progression and they can retain the information especially again, if you can show them instantly, like an e-learning has told us, but for us, yeah, it's just, if they can see it and they can see the improvement, it makes them want to do better. It makes them want to work harder. And it gives them also something to look at. Kids love watching their clips and highlights. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our presenting sponsors, NordVPN. Now look, what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either and plans start at under four dollars per month so what are you waiting for grab your exclusive nordvpn deal right now if you go to nordvpn.com slash believe use the promo code believe b-l-e-a-v you get up to 70 percent off your nordvpn plan plus one additional month for free it's also risk-free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee nordvpn now back to the pod in your opinion how does this maybe improve or perhaps bridge the gap between the dynamic of athlete to coach or maybe more importantly coach to parent which i know yeah. can sometimes be a little bit of a dicey bag where the parent sees one thing with the child the coach sees another thing with the child how can clever maybe help bridge the gap and get everyone involved and on the same page yeah so think about at the end of a game dad yelling at you in the front of the car about not having the kids stick in front of the net right you the guy tipped in two goals or in baseball the guy threw three curveballs or something 
and even me as a coach on the bench, sometimes a kid will come off the bench and I'm like, don't you, why didn't you do this? Like across the ice with your stick. And he's like, they don't really remember it. So if you're talking strictly of a parent to an athlete connection, hopefully that connection can be better now where the parent could be like, look, this is what I was talking about rather than just yelling at their athlete, right? The athlete doesn't remember everything from a game. They're so into the game and they're just playing with, especially like in hockey, because it's such a free flowing sport. You're playing with your imagination. You're just playing with intuition. You're not really focused on like, what does dad think about my stick position? So (laughs) that connection. Now there's also the parent to coach connection and parent to athlete connection. But the parent to coach to me is the most important one because a lot of the times the parent is the coach in youth market. And they are, sometimes they might have to sit a kid or sometimes they might have to give correction and the parent doesn't like that correction. But if that coach can now show the reasoning for the correction, that in itself can create possibly a better bond between the coach and the parent and or the coach and the athlete. And that's what we're hoping to bridge, right? Is you're now giving them the ability to take that clip, to show why they're coaching it, to show why they're implementing it into practice, to show where the, you know, maybe even in hockey, just the work ethic. A kid thinks he's working hard. He's not playing much or something going on. Show the kid. Like, again, I had a coach just call me today. He's like, man, I just love showing the kids the work ethic with Clever. Not even necessarily, you know, like the, what they're doing with their sticks or anything. Just work ethic. And he shows the kid, tell me out of the 10, what are you working like here? And the kid will be like a four. And he goes, so now you understand why I'm talking to you on the bench. Like, hey, get your feet moving, do this. So we're hoping that all the connections can create a further bond between the coach, the athlete, and the parent. Again, sport tech, youth, especially sport tech, is all built for the A, A-plus athlete, right? And that's why I think the sport tech market and the youth sport market is the most fragmented market in the world. Mm-hmm. How do you connect the three dots? We've built tech for the youth sport market so that a parent can use it, the coach and the athlete now. And that's what we're trying to do is to make that bond stronger between those three. Now, it's a real complicated um process to to complete i guess and it's a hypothesis we've made based off of all the people we've interviewed is how to connect the three uh especially through video and that's what we're trying to do and if we can do it i think clever can be a great app and a great tool that can connect the three and bond the three uh even deeper and that's what we want we don't want we don't want a parent yelling at a kid in the front of a car and we don't want a coach and a parent getting disgruntled and a parent leaving a team and taking their kid we want the connection of youth sports to be positive and that's why we're here and that's why and that's why I'm investing in sports tech. And that's why I want it because it's for the kids. It's democratizing it. Prices of everything are going up. What can we do to make the bond better between the three? And and also maybe there's a way too where I'm just trying to relate to my own personal experience playing youth sports where you have a relationship with the coach who's trying to tell you you know, certain principles or certain fundamentals of how he wants things done. And typically, the only way that those things happen is through results, right? Like in basketball, you know, the ball goes in the hoop and you win the game or whatever, but you're not creating a way where there's actual tangible example of showing a kid, hey, in this moment, if you do this principle, if you do this fundamental, this is why we have success. This is why we have spacing on the floor or on the ice. And to further that too as well, and forgive me, I'm just kind of speaking from – a baseball basketball background i'm sure there isn't hockey but for young hockey players or young youth sport athletes that are let's just say coming from you know uh neighborhoods or demographics that don't allow them to maybe necessarily get on the traveling team or go to those upper elite levels like you're talking about now this is an opportunity for those athletes to maybe cut some clips 
and get it maybe in the hands and the eyes of coaches to maybe get them some, you know, get them some opportunities where maybe, you know, demographics, distance, finances might be, you know, we're holding them down in the past. And I find that to be really intriguing too, as well. So it's funny you said that I've actually recruited three players from my spring team through Clever. They've used Clever. They've sent me clips on Clever. One kid's from Florida, one's from New York, and they're coming to play through my spring team because they took clips and they've sent them to me. We've also heard that, especially with the Div 3, right? Div 3 teams, there's some younger female athletes or male athletes that they're trying to go play Div 3. There's not a lot of great quality video out there. Now they can send some clips of their skill. They can house it in there. And you're even talking about the demographics of like, what if I can't afford to play travel baseball? But what if I can prove to this coach, all I got to go is into the backyard and throw a couple clips on Clever and I can create a little highlight reel. Sorry, my ice machine. And I can create create this highlight reel that I can now send to this pitching coach who lives two hours away that might be selecting my team in a month or in two months or in five months, right? So it's like now giving them the ability again, take the clips, store the clips, create highlight reels, share it, and also become recruited. Again, it doesn't necessarily always have to be used for that. It could also be used for sharing just amazing moments with family. That's way, that's generally been the way the more house league athletes been using it, the ones that aren't as serious, but they just want to have a good time and play with their friends. Parents have been using Clever to take clips of the goals and send them to family. So again, it's about connecting people uh, that aren't generally either at the arena or at the baseball field, and then also a recruitment tool. So that's when I talk about Clever. It's not just for hockey. It's not just one sport. It's just mm-hmm. not, it's, it's a platform for all this, and it's how you want to use the platform. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I just, I'm thinking about these other moments too, where you have a lot of working families out there where not every single parent can be at every single game. And now all of a sudden you can create, um, you know, you can have the other family member create it in such a short span of time and give you those clips. And oh yeah, they're high definition. They're not the shaky uh, camcorder that we used to have and, and, and be able to uh, share those moments and feel like that you're really a part of it. And then you can share that with, you know, your son or your daughter when you get a chance to see them, if you do get a chance to miss the game. And uh, man, I, Chris, I got to tell you, man, I just think this is the beginning for you guys. I mean, I can tell that you're very excited about it, but I really think that there's a lot of different ways that this can go. If you can uh, talk a little bit about what it's like to build this company with some family members. Uh, Are these cousins or brothers? But just talk about what that's been like for you, because that's got to be an exciting experience, too. Yeah, it's been cool. Uh, There's been some uh, choice words for each other because we're brothers and we're not scared to tell each other how we feel. Uh, We also, again, I've I own a hockey school and me and my brother have owned that hockey school and have been a part of it for a long time. So we kind of know what it's like working together. Again, the pressure of working in a startup and starting a company from scratch, I give my hat off to anyone who's ever, I mean, even a small business owner of any company, anything, it's, it's a lot of pressure on your shoulders, right? And then again, starting something from scratch, try, you have a hypothesis, you go through a, an intent or a extensive period of learning about the product. And that's what me and Josh McNevin, he's the coach of the Cloner Rockets and my, my middle brother, Mitch, did for about four or five months from May till October 2020. We tried to learn of parents, athletes and coaches, what's not there? What do they need? What are we trying to, what problem are we trying to solve? And then from there, us three went and we met a company uh, that was going to start to build our tech. So we contracted a company. And from there, the company, the, after about a month and a half, we brought a CTO on, right? And the CTO, or he left the company to become our full-time CTO. Or, and after that, we realized we started to need our get our ducks in a row business-wise and product-wise and understanding what a product roadmap looks like. These are things that I've never been taught before or learned. 
And that's where my third brother came into play. My, well, my second brother, there's three of us, uh, Bryce, and he's the one with the MBA. And so he kind of, he came on and he started to help us more on the business side. And so that's how it all came about. It wasn't like, I'm just going to start a business with my two brothers. It was like, okay, I needed a defenseman early on to give me a different vantage point of what mm-hmm. clever I needed a coach and I wanted myself. And then we needed a, a guy to build the tech and then we needed a businessman. And it just kind of, I knew these people that were within my family. And now it's, it's just kind of blossomed from there. My other brother uh, still is actually playing hockey and he, he works a lot more on like the nitty gritty piece of the app. He books calls, he books a lot of meetings and all that. I'm a little bit more of the meetings and talking with people and partnerships and my other brother's the business. So we all kind of have our own swim lane we're swimming in, but it, again, yeah, in a startup, everyone needs to wear every hat. It's not like you're just this or that everyone needs to wear every hat and it's a bit of a mess at times, but we're trying to make it work. And now we've got a workable product and it's been very good. And we got a lot, like we've got some uh, real good active users now since uh, December 15th when we've launched. And again, it's still beta right? It's still testing, working out the kinks and the bugs, but, and we're here. So we're really proud we're at this point and we're starting to prove why we are proving the concept because we have active users at a high rate that are creating high content. So that's a pretty cool fit thing, but now it's about how do you end up making money on it too, right? And how do you keep the company viable for a long time rather than, than not? So these are things that are keep evolving and you learn about it, but as for doing this with my family, I would, I, I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. I think it's only a matter of time, Chris. Yeah, and and just we I know we've been bending a lot on the youth sports too as well, but I think clever eventually for all those aspiring softball players, those beer league softball players yeah. too. If you ever want to impress your friends or anything along those lines, uh, I, I mean I think the sky's the limit with this thing. Um, I do want to ask you know you mentioned that you opened up a hockey school. Um, I get the opportunity to talk to a lot of different athletes, some of them current, some of them former. Um, I just want to ask you a little bit about you know what your personal experience was moving and transitioning from being that professional hockey player um you know into that different phase of your life and now you know you're you're highly invested in clever and the business you know was that transition hard for you was it did you feel like it was seamless was it hard to let the game go away you know what was that like for you because i know every athlete's story is definitely different when they transition away from the game that they played every single minute almost of their entire lives yeah, what, what's been hard for me about hockey is the relationships, the schedule, being with people that are like-minded in that sense, right? Guys that, you know, they just have that drive to do, willing to do anything to win a game, right? Again, you, you listen to people in business and, you know, hockey is finite and business is, was it infinite, they say, or something like that? Like, it's a different type the of bandwidth, The bandwidth is wider, right? Like, the bandwidth is wider, yeah. And like hockey, it's like, you have to win the game, right? In business, it's about like staying alive, basically. It's just, it's a different mindset. And I love that. It's the longest, uh, it's the longest penalty kill of all time. Exactly. That's a hundred percent right. And that's, that for me, I miss that, right? I miss winning a game. Now I am coaching my kids and I start to get that little feeling back where I don't, you know, the last three years in the NHL, I basically was playing on one hip. I had a completely torn hip and I played my last two years in Calgary and in Carolina with it. I tried to come back from it. I played a couple more years in Europe, but it was like someone like I have no, no cartilage left or anything. So I don't miss having to take four Advil and two Tylenol and, you know, just to get onto the ice for practice, let alone still go play a game every single day. Right. I don't miss that. I miss being healthy, going to the rink, practicing with my friends, having a good skate, 
and doing all that. So I realized my time was up because my hip, now I can go out there. I, I still truly believe I could go. If I had my hip at hundred percent, I still truly believe I could be playing in the NHL hmm. just because my skills are there. My skating was fine. It was just, I couldn't, my skating wasn't to the ability it was when I was 26, 27. Again, when you're pushing on one leg, it's tough. But so that for me made it easy to leave because I was like, I just can't go through this pain anymore. Like each and every day, uh, just uh, horrible actually, right? You, you just, it's not fun anymore when you have that sort of feeling. So now when you transition out of hockey and you get into business, again, it's a different mindset. There's so many different things you got to learn. I've really relied on my brother and a couple of people around me for that. And I'm still learning a ton every day. Like at the start of this, I always tell everyone, I didn't even know what scale was. I thought it was something you stood on. And at the start, everyone was like, well, what are you going to scale clever? How are you going to scale clever? How are you going to monetize clever? And I'm like, what? And they're like, how are you going to grow it? I'm like, can you just say grow it? You yeah, know? it's probably like, like 250, 255 pounds. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and then they're like, I'm like, like, how am I going to make money? Yeah. Monetize. I'm like, yeah, make money. You know? So I was like, I'm learning all the business <laughs> jargon and all yeah, this. Yeah. And I was kind of laughing because I'm like, I don't know any of this, but that's what I had to start to do is learn a bit of the jargon, learn what, you know. Uh, like a product roadmap was learn what a product meeting was learn the difference between a product meeting and a meeting about sales or meeting you know it's just there's a lot that goes into it it's still a lot like hockey in the sense you set a certain meeting for a certain thing that you need done but it's also been uh, it's been fun Uh, you do again back to hockey you miss you miss the big moments you miss playing for a Stanley Cup you miss having 20,000 people in in the best building in the world in Chicago cheering for you with a million and you know 10, 15 million, whoever people watching at home, right. On the biggest stage, that's what I miss. But again, I just, I knew I was done, uh, especially the last few years. And then in Europe, there was just too much pain. And uh, I was, I was good leaving. You still get a little bit of a taste. Like I wish, I wish I could do it, but it is what it is. And I, and I, I, I'm fine moving on. Yeah. I was going to say just all in all, I mean, how's the hip now is the hip in pretty decent shape all things considered and do you kind of also maybe sort of equalize that missing of the game with you know the hip could have gotten a lot worse and and exactly. i maybe got out yeah yeah that that's 100 percent. it it was yeah every day you wake up and they'd have to needle me two to three times a week just to get my tfl and my glutes loose enough in order to have the hip move right oh my god it would be locked up all the time so i'd be getting dry needled into my hip each and every day just to just escape. So that, that part, uh, I don't miss. And, and that part I'm good with just letting it go. Let's take another break to talk about another one of our sponsors, athletic greens. Now tons of people, they take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. And with one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, mineral superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day, right? Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it and to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com believe use bo- promo code believe b-l-e-a-v again athleticgreens.com believe check it out today athletic greens take ownership of your own health these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration these products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease athletic greens now back to the pod 
when Christopher Stieg is in a, a bar or, you know, an establishment or anything and he hears Chelsea Dagger, what's the first thing that comes to mind? 2010, 2008, 2009, those years. And 2015, amazing as well. But 2008 is where it started to live, like really live. And people forget about the 2008, 2009 season. You know, we were young. We weren't supposed to win. We ended up losing to Detroit in the Western Conference Finals. And if I can interject really quick, you know, as, as a Blackhawks fan, at that time, when you guys went up against the Red Wings, now the Red Wings was like the Goliath for Chicago sports fans. It was, you know, get out of here. We're never going to beat them. And you guys went toe for toe. All those games were just like, you know, the, an inch off the puck here and there. You guys played them so tough. And I remember walking out of that series in real quick, just being like not upset. We were like, here we come as a fan. After you guys lost that series, it was like, man, this is just starting. This is yeah, not. Goal, I think game was one goal, right? Or overtime. Yep. There was about two ones. Yeah, it was close. I remember us talking after we knew they were the better team. Like we knew they were older. They still had a little bit more swag. And we knew that that's what we wanted to implement into our game going into the next season. They were the team that taught us how to win. And if we didn't go through that situation, who knows if you win the Stanley Cup in 2010, because look at the situations we came across in Nashville, you know, and and even Mm -hmm. in Philly, when they come back, we were a very... To this day, hands down, the most resilient team I've ever played on. It was crazy. We were just so mentally strong. We we cared about each other, but it all started from that 2008-2009 season. And then obviously you pick up Marion Host, so that just adds a whole other crazy element into the mix. But um, that season for me, uh, that put us on the map. And that, I, I don't know, might sound crazy. I've never heard the the arena as loud in my life as that Calgary playoff series even you know we won the Stanley Cup we won crazy series but I still remember that first series well even in the Stanley Cup finals Philly was nuts but when we played Calgary and it was like the first time I think they made the the playoffs in what eight or nine years and oh, for, the, for the Hawks Hawks yeah right it was yes yeah, so god eight or nine years I don't know I don't I maybe even goes back to eight, 98 99 honestly it could have because been 12 years right I think it might have it even was, been 12 years yeah, because I don't think Alexis the Alexis Zamanoff years and all that kinds of stuff, it just didn't just no. didn't happen. We weren't supposed to beat Calgary, and we ended up beating Calgary, and that series was bonkers. And then when we beat Vancouver in that mm-hmm. game six, and Kaner did that goal through, I think he dangled O'Brien and then went backhand for his hat trick. And they were that was seriously like those two series were some of the loudest I've ever heard the United Center. And I mean, I know it wasn't winning the Stanley cup, but that I think was where us as players were like, this is the best feeling on earth. Like this place is bananas. Well, I want to, I want to set up this next question for you like this. And you know, for Blackhawks fans, Chicago sports fans listening to this pod right now, I just want you to remember that when you were cheering for your Blackhawks during those 2010, 2015 seasons, and they were winning, Christopher Stieg was scoring points. Uh, I just want to pull this up for you real quick. In the 49 regular season wins in 2010, 32 points for Christopher Stieg. In the 36 regular season wins in 2015, you had 28 points in those victories, plus 15 and you know, pl- both those seasons combined. And then, of course, against the Flyers, man, five points in six games. So if I can ask you, you know, you've talked about the 2010. What was your experience, and is there a way to maybe say which cup was sweeter? Because you had the 2010, which – is all the guys together, the resiliency, you finally get to the mountaintop. You know, you leave for a couple years. And then, you know, I'm sure in that mind, you kind of maybe go back and have that nostalgia about the Blackhawks in that time. And then in 2015, 
you find yourself back in Chicago, and then you find yourself back on top again. Is it fair to say it was one of them more sweet than the other, or how do you you know separate and differentiate the two cups? Well, 2010 to me is the most memorable and the most special to me, uh, no doubt. I played. I think I played a very big role in that, and I just felt I felt that that was some of my best hockey I've ever played. Right. So 2010 to me, and this is the group of guys we had. We were all buddies from from or from minors. We came up together. And we had one year to win the Stanley Cup together. Literally, it was like, you guys got to win, and next year, 10 of you are gone, right? Yeah, Bufflin, and yeah, it was a bunch of guys, yeah. Yeah, people don't really understand the crazy pressure we had on ourselves to win too, right? So that, to me, was my favorite one. If I'm if I'm just looking at it and being honest, maybe people won't like that, especially on a Chicago podcast. 2015, to me, was the most relief I've ever had winning. Mm. Um in a different way because 2013 I came back I was a shell of myself I was coming off hip and ACL surgery and I came back after four and a half months five months started playing on knee sur- after knee surgery I was not good in Florida was not good in Chicago didn't have a good playoffs and then I went to work that that summer and I came back and I had the best start to the season in 2014 I think I was second in scoring to Caner and then at Christmas time at the at the game I broke my hand like I completely shattered my hand. I had to have reconstructive surgery and I came back and I think I ended up finishing with like 34 points in 60 games that year, but my last 15 or 20 games, I might've only had one or two points. I, I, I remember grabbing my stick and it felt like you had a marble in your palm. You just, you had no grip strength and I was not a good, I wasn't good. The playoffs started, we played Nashville. I wasn't playing good at all. I got, I also had a osteous pubis. So it's like an inflamed pubic bone. So I remember before the Minnesota series started, they, they injected my pubic bone and then the team ended up winning. So then uh, after I was ready to come back game two, they ended up just staying with the lineup they had. They ended up winning four straight against Minnesota and then Anaheim. And so I wasn't in the lineup and I was like happy for the guys, but you're kind of like not happy with yourself. It's kind of hard to explain. You're like so happy that the guys are winning, but you're like, I want to be a part of this so bad. And I'm finally ready to go. And then I only played one game at the end of the Anaheim series. And I didn't think I was going to start Tampa Bay series, but they ended up putting me into the Tampa Bay series. And I played five or six games. I ended up setting up that game winner in game five. It was one, one, the, the Vermette goal that ended up winning us the game in game five. So that for me was like a moment of, you know, it's almost like you could just give up on yourself and you just keep sticking with it and stick with it. And then you finally get your moment and you play in the Stanley cup finals and you play, you know, I had a really good game five and then we ended up winning in game six. And you feel like, I almost felt like I was not a piece of the team to going to a piece of the team that helped Mm. win. So it was like a relief of, Thank God I was allowed to play. Thank God I was allowed to help out, especially in that one win. Because if we would have won uh, without me being a part of it, I don't think I'd have the same feel of being a part of the team, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because like I would have only played a couple games in the playoffs and I wouldn't have had that same, oh, I actually had a couple big moments that ended up helping win the Stanley Cup. So it was a different sense of relief of you know, thank God I got my opportunity and made it count. And again, maybe I'm speaking a little too openly and candidly, but that's just how I felt. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I love that perspective. And, uh, you know, when Christopher Steak comes back to Chicago, typically we end up winning cups. So, you know what yeah. I mean? There's always, there's always something that goes into that a little bit. Uh, just a quick one before I get you out of here. You know, you mentioned all the different injuries that you were dealing with, and I'm sure you've gotten this question before, but 
I mean, underrated, overrated, properly rated, the casual or even the diehard NHL fan, their understanding of how much you guys are going through by the end of those long playoff runs. I mean, what would you say maybe on the average? A guy's maybe dealing with, what, three to five different little things by the end of the season? Because typically when the season's over, then you hear a couple weeks later of like, oh, this dude had a fractured fibula. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're like, holy cow, like what did, what did these guys go through? I mean, well, can you just maybe shine a light of like how banged up dudes are by the by the end of these runs? Well, in 2010, I would have had for sure one hernia. And I had, uh, you know, I had a really messed up back, um, messed up shin. Uh, Jonathan Taze had a MCL sprain. I don't even think he was going to be able to play game seven if we would have gone to game seven against Philadelphia. Um, you look at across, you're generally dealing with one to two things, three things of like nagging injury. I remember my wrists at times too, especially in some playoff runs, you could, you know, you're from shooting pucks or getting slashed or cross-checked again the game's a lot different than in 2008 9 10 12 especially but i remember just your wrists there's a lot of things neck back um but yeah so just personally i could tell you the 2010 series with the one hernia and then the, the next year in toronto i i tore the other side and i ended up having bilateral hernia surgery at the end of that year but yeah you're always going through something but uh, you're for me, I mean, looking back, I would have gone through it all over again, especially, you know, to win. And, and, and you think of it 49 years to win a Stanley cup in Chicago, what that parade and that enthusiasm showed in a city. I tell like parents on my kids' hockey team, they're like, you know, what was it like? I'm like, just go Google it or go look at what the streets were like. There was like every building had people throwing confetti out the top of the windows uh, it was like a relief that I'd never seen before. It was in a moment that, I mean, I, I, I remember saying like, I could die today. Like, this is yeah. the craziest, craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I have my family here with me and the city was so crazy about it. Right. You have all the people, you go to a bar, there's 10,000 people outside the bar waiting for you to come out with the Stanley cup. It was just a, a moment of craziness so i would have gone through all those injuries again just to just to have that moment with the fans in chicago well i'll tell you just from a fan's perspective you know my exposure uh i was born in 1984 so my exposure was um you know those early those ronick chelios spell for the hawks teams and basically what was happening is and you know the story is that at the time uh you know the words family was not putting the home games on tv when they would go to the playoffs you'd have to purchase hawk vision and I distinctly remember, you know, we were, my dad was building a house at the time. So I was living with my grandmother and my uncle, my uncle Jay, long mullet, crumpled mane in the back, did like the whole thing. And he'd have these Hawk vision parties and everyone would just pile in in front of his TV and eat little Caesars and crazy bread and drink MGD. And yeah. people would teach me the game. We watched uh, the penguins just kick our ass. You know what I mean? Like in that, in that Stanley cup, but that's where it really started for me. You know, and I think, a lot of that, what you're talking about, when you guys finally did get the chance to hoist up that cup, was a lot of that frustration. And I think that era really kind of, you know, revitalized yeah. living. And my final one is, to this day, every friend that I talk to, and I've got friends that, you know, own bars in Wrigleyville and all over the place of Chicago, and we do this thing of, you know, what's the craziest night in Chicago or what's the craziest party? And forever, it was the 2010 Hawks. Even after the Cubs won in 2016, we all like to talk about that. That was a huge thing. Obviously, uh, I was there. Great party. But I still ask some friends, and they're like, you know, what was, like, the wildest 
Chicago yeah. sports party. And they're like, that 2010 Hawks, man. It's yeah. it. I mean, that's the, the city just exploded and, and enjoyed and celebrated in a way that was that was unlike any other. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the Bears, you know, Cubs, Sox, whatever. It's a Bears city. It's also a Hawks city. You know, everyone in Chicago is on the board with the Hawks. And I just hope that you know that in 2010, man, it was a really special moment for the city of Chicago. We're forever thankful for that. I, I, I couldn't agree with that anymore. I just know that us as a team, we were with the fans. Like we would be with the fans, partying with them, having beers with them. We had Did you go to, were you a pony in guy? Were you the pony? I was at the pony singing karaoke for the fans, you know, like it was, uh, it was a connection, a special connection to a group of people, like you said, that they'd waited a long time to win a Stanley cup. And here's the other piece to this, which to me makes me smile is how big the youth hockey market in Chicago is now. It's a Mecca. Mm -hmm. Like it is a Mecca. You got all the top, you know, at Turcotte, right? He would have watched those Hawks teams win. Yeah. Maybe that got, I don't know if it did or didn't, but maybe that got his parents to put him into hockey, right? And now he's a top pick playing for LA. There's a lot of top players coming from Chicago, Chicago area. You got the Chicago Steel. My best, one of my best friends, his brother's the coach of the Chicago Steel. You got a Mecca of hockey there now, and it's breeding through the young players that are now coming up. And it's all kind of from that generation. They would have been five, six, seven, eight, nine, watching those cups, right? All, even all the way through 13 and 15. And these players are coming into fruition now, and they were really ignited by 2008, right? 2007, when Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze stepped on the ice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, in terms of the Pony Inn, uh, I used to do comedy there. I used to do sketch comedy. It used to be a place called Gunther uh -huh. Murphy's before it was the Pony Inn. So it's like, oh, yeah. I don't know, it's like a weird uh, symbiosis there. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And um, yeah, and here's hoping, you know, I, I after they won that third cup, a lot of friends would be like, hey, can they get a fourth cup? And I'm like, all right, easy, easy. This is one of the greatest, I mean, honestly, three and three and six yeah. years. There are not other franchises in any other sport that can have that claim to fame. And I'm just kind of sort of crossing my fingers and hoping that, that Kane and Taves can maybe still be on the ice in a couple of years while they chase one more cup down. And wouldn't that be cool? Like, be obviously cool. not like a Ray Bork style, but, you know, like the old the old hands still there maybe, you know, teaming up on a second line or something like that. Kane on a power play when he's 36, 37 in a cup run. I don't know. I'm just still rooting yeah, for no, it. I, I, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see what happens this summer right yep this summer like Kane can play for a long time uh Taze it's really whatever he wants to do but Kane can still play at the level he's at for a while right he's just so naturally talented he stays out of contact he's really shifty the game's also being more pushed in his skill level direction yeah he had five points five points two nights ago so that's what I'm saying like the game Dude. is going to the way he plays he played in an era where if he didn't keep his head off, he was going to have it literally removed. Like a lot of these kids now don't understand, like you can skate and dingle dangle through the middle of the ice and you can have your head down because of blindside hits. Patrick Kane could not do that until 2012, right? After 2012, a lot of the blindside, but you still had a lot of bad hits up until 2016, 2017, right? This is where we still really started to hammer down on the bad blindside hits and anything to the head. He's played in an era that didn't want his type of skill. It didn't allow him that again, like the leading score of the league one year is Jamie Ben with 80 points. Now you have like eight guys with over a hundred points. You know what yeah. I mean? The yeah. game is going to his skill level. So I think he can play for a long time. I don't know if he'll stay. I've never talked to him about this. I, I don't really, 
um, care to talk to. I would like to see him, you know, if the Hawks aren't good for the next couple of years, I'd like to see him go to a place like the New York Rangers, you know, to a top team, a uh, young budding team and uh, see what he'd be like on, you know, another big stage in, in the U S market, maybe play another year or two. And if that doesn't go well, he can always come back to the Hawks, but I don't know if we're talking about the Hawks now, they, they, they got to go into a full rebuild. If you're asking me, like, if you brought me in as the GM today, I would, I would probably talk to them and just be like, it's up to you guys if you want to stay for it, but this is a rebuild. This isn't kind of what we've been doing the last three years, even though I like kind of the way that they're trying to win with Kane and Tay still there, but this is time now for them to get back into the, to the full rebuild and, and really see what, what can doc do, you know, what can these guys do? And for me with Kane and Tay's, let them make the decision. They only, if they only want to play a couple more years or three more years, let them go somewhere to win. Yeah, no, they deserve the right. They both got a year left on their deal. Um, you know, and obviously trading that amount of money might be prohibitive for teams right now. But as you said, in the summer, then they get to make the kind of their own choice. And yeah, it's tough. You go from rebuild to reload to probably now rebuild yeah. again. You got a new GM in there. I do like the idea of the new GM. He can come in objectively with fresh eyes and look at this whole roster and decide how he makes it in his own image. And they've been trying to fix the blue line for forever. And you know what I mean? It's just, and it really makes you kind of go back and be like, man, Seabrook, Chalmerson, Keith. I mean, these guys, you know, we don't talk about defense and sports in general, but you look back at these guys, these unsung heroes and you're like, man, you know, that was really something special. Um, and obviously not to describe, I'm not taking anything away from the Emmy or Crawford, you know what I mean? And I'm the team defense as a whole, but it's still an answer that they're going to try and figure out. And I'm with you, maybe in New York with Breadman. I don't know. That is, that seemed to work. uh, That seemed to work pretty briefly some years ago when, when he first came up. So exactly. It makes a lot of sense to me. Kane loves the, like the spotlight. He flourishes in it better than any player I've ever seen in my life. Never seen a more clutch player. Never, you may never see a more clutch player in the NHL ever again yeah. than Patrick Kane. That's that's what's crazy. Like this guy, how many overtime goals does he have? Seven or eight, six or seven, maybe at least. Yeah, his playoff numbers are crazy. And there was something about go-ahead goals that I saw a year yeah. or so ago. And you're like, oh my god, like this guy's add 88, 88 every time. Yeah, or or point points on go-aheads. Yeah, yeah. Add assist to that because I just remember. I mean, he set up that that game three or the overtime third Seabrook goal, third overtime against Nashville in 2015, right? And he had so many plays like throughout that whole overtime. I'm like, Kane's going to score, set something up. He had so many chances he was setting up. I'm like, no one else was even getting a shot on net and he's still doing his thing, right? It was just crazy that the bigger the pressure got, the better he played. And not no one's like that, like literally no one. Yeah, and health to him too as well because it's it'll, it'll be hard, but he does have a shot at obviously becoming, uh, if he isn't already the greatest American hockey player of all time, and there'll be statistics that'll be able to back it up because he's getting close on the points. I don't have the number in front yeah, of me, but it's he, not that far off. Again, look, if there's era adjusted, you know, mm. like he played in a hard era to score. Like when he came into the league, you know, there's only one player maybe getting 100 points. Yeah, I was going to say like 30 goals was like, holy shit back then. Like, yeah. Oh, like all right. nine and 10, like Ovechkin was scoring, but not many other people were scoring goals. Ovechkin would get a lot of points, but you know, not, not everyone was getting, you know, there wouldn't like, if you got a point per game on a team, you were going off, right. Mm-hmm. If you were 10 points above point per game, you might've won the scoring race. Right. Like I think yeah. it was Jamie Ben won it with 85 points. 
Um, yeah, and I think Matthews, what, isn't Austin Matthews, isn't he on pace for like 65 goals right now or something? You know what I mean? It's a totally different yeah. time. Well, yeah. then you have like a couple anomalies in there, like uh, like Steven Samkos comes in and scores 60 in 2015 or something, right? I, I think mm-hmm. it was. But basically those those years, he was playing in a hard era, like not not as hard to score as the 90s and that kind of dead puck, but pretty darn close. Yeah. Christopher Stieg, two-time cup, Stanley Cup champion, former Blackhawk Christopher Stieg. Thank you so much for coming on Bet on Chicago. Before we get you out of here again, let's just rope back around to Clever a little bit. Um, uh, Clever.ai is the perfect way to check out the uh, the new app that he's working on, the new business venture. Um, anything else that maybe the audience might need to know about it? I mean, it's a fantastic product, man. I'm, I'm honestly, truly, sincerely, big supporter of yours. I mean, my audience is what it is, but it's growing every single day. I'm happy to bring you know Clever into my audience, and you're going to continue to see my support moving forward. Just tell the good people anything else they might need to know about checking it out. Well, yeah, it's klevr.ai. You can go to the website. It's a free app on the App Store. We're currently working on getting an Android version out. You can share in or out of the platform. So that means you could take a clip from the platform and send it to WhatsApp, Instagram, wherever in seconds. So if someone has an Android device, you can still share them in seconds. And again, it's... uh, I still have an Android device. I'm I'm still that guy. So you ruin group chats better than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like well, we can't have the blue the, or whatever yeah, yeah the green and it's all green and it's like yeah. oh, i gotta kick him out of my group chat because yeah have yeah that's me yeah yeah but anyone honestly anyone willing to talk about it uh for me it's amazing because it's hard to get you know a lot of startup companies it's hard to get people to talk to you about your product and i have a lot of people willing to talk to me about a pro- my product and i'm very thankful that you called me today and they're willing to give it a platform for people to listen to about it well, Christopher Steak, thank you so much for coming on the pod, man. I know if I can speak on behalf of Chicago Sports, we're so proud to have you. And uh, honestly, man, best of luck with the venture. I truly think it's a revolutionary uh, product and, and, and tech app. And I think it's only just a matter of time, man. So just uh, keep skating, keep grinding, man. Uh, you'll keep it there. And hopefully we can have you back sometime. Awesome. Will do. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Chris. Uh, today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was presented by BetOnline.eg. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. Today's episode is also presented by NordVPN and Athletic Greens. we got great offers going through the Believe Network right now, so make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. we got plenty more coming the rest of the week. Until then, be well, be safe, please be good to each other, and remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.